Cast. It's true in comedy, it's true in photography, and it's true in business. It is the rule of three. In the classic joke that starts with people entering a bar, there's always three people. Remember the one where the Queen, the Pope, and the Brain of Ireland walk into a pub? Hilarity ensues. If you only have two people, the joke doesn't work because the balance is broken. The rule of three in photography is also known as the rule of thirds. As you compose an image, divide it into three horizontal portions and three vertical portions, creating a tic-tac-toe grid. Then, adjust your framing to place your point of interest at any one of those intersections. By just doing this, you're making a much better composition than randomly pointing your camera. In show business, the rule of three exists in movies. It can be as simple as having three movies in a trilogy. Think of the original three Star Wars movies, the Lord of the Rings series, or Godfather 1, 2, and 3. Oh, maybe it would have been better left as a simple movie with a sequel deal. I guess the studio made Francis Ford Coppola an offer he couldn't refuse. There are exceptions to every rule, but in comedy, photography, and show business, the rule of three holds. It can be applied in a load of other scenarios too. In football, there's the hat trick, Three goals in one game by the same player. In the Olympics, medals go to the top three finishers. And in coffee, there's a rule of three there too. I'm Ken Delbridge, and in this episode of the Know or Not podcast, we're going to look at the three waves of coffee. Hi, I'm Mark. That's Mark. And I love coffee. He's got a routine when it comes to his mornings. Every morning I have a capsule coffee. It's usually quite a strong blend because in Singapore you really need a, to get a good caffeine kick to get your day going. And I pair it with a bowl of yogurt and fruit and that's my breakfast. For his next coffee, he's flexible. Second coffee of the day usually comes in around lunchtime or sometimes in the afternoon or that might be the third cup. But the second coffee is usually a long black equivalent. So I might make a, a cup of coffee on my own or I might uh, go to a coffee shop and order a kopi kao siu tai. That's my jam. Mark Nair is a National Poetry Slam champion and an accomplished photographer, and he knows his coffee. The Crafted By series focuses on artists and craftspeople in Singapore, and I've been seeing a lot of articles on artisanal coffee cafes. Artisanal is an adjective relating to or characteristic of an artisan, which is someone who practices a trade or handicraft, i.e. a craftsperson. In other words, perfect for this podcast. Internationally, coffee has experienced three waves. The first wave was when coffee went mass market at the start of the 20th century. Brands like Folgers and Maxwell House became popular as a fast and efficient way to make mass consumption coffee to get your caffeine hit. The second wave started when coffee became a beverage you'd go out to drink. The coffee you'd get in these cafes was a vast improvement in quality and taste. Led by Pete's Coffee and Tea in California in 1966, and then Starbucks in 1971, the coffee was from dark-roasted, high-quality beans. The phrase specialty coffee was coined, and it referred to coffee beans that rated 80 and above on a 100 scale. European concepts crossed the ocean, and espressos and lattes took over the menu boards. Socializing at a coffee shop became commonplace. Think Central Perk on the show Friends. The third wave is what we're currently living in. The focus is on the coffee itself. Traceability, single origin or blend, roasting, brewing methods, cupping sessions, tasting notes, latte art. 
The third wave is all about detail. In Singapore, though, the first wave of coffee wasn't instant coffee drunk at home or the workplace. The first wave in Singapore is the Kopi Tiam, a coffee shop. These coffee shops were selling kopi, or local coffee. Local coffee sits at a price point that is usually about three to four times cheaper than your artisanal coffee. It's made with lower-grade quality beans, robusta. Sometimes these beans are roasted together with butter or margarine, and it, it gives it a particular flavour and taste. The coffee is usually made with condensed milk or evaporated milk. It is rare to find a local coffee that is used, that's using a fresh milk. Robusta beans are typically half the price of Arabica beans, which are the mainstay of speciality coffee. Robusta beans have half the concentration of sugar and almost double the caffeine, which means it tends towards the bitter end of the taste scale. For most products, things change with time. The original tends to fade away and be forgotten. That doesn't apply in the coffee scene. Kopi is still going strong. We'll come back to that later. Act 1. The Beans. The main thing that sets apart the third wave coffee folks is the focus on beans. Our first stop is to Everton Park, where you'll find nylon coffee roasters. Hey, I'm um, Jiamin from Nylon Coffee Roasters. In every list of top artisanal coffee cafes in Singapore, you'll find nylon, and often it's at the very top. Compared to any Starbucks or coffee bean outlet, it's modest in size. The menu only has nine options. Three for black coffee, three for white coffee, and three for iced coffee. The main characteristic of the third wave of coffee is the cafe knows all about the origins of the coffee you're drinking. For us, when we started the business um, back in 2012, we wanted to really showcase that coffees from a particular place, um, for example, a single farm, single estate, has its very own unique flavour characteristics. So we uh, decided to emphasise more on um, the exact location where the coffee is from. So we always indicate the name of the farm, the name of the producer in general, and also um, the region. Nylon also includes tasting notes for the customers. Some of the coffees can be fruity, uh, it can be floral, uh, can have chocolate finish, uh, some sweet nuts in the finish. Um, so we actually decided to make it more concise for the consumers. So we actually limit to three words. So the three dominant flavour characteristics of that particular coffee. Um, in order to make it easier for our consumers to make a choice when they are trying to purchase a bag of beans. For artisanal coffee cafes, the baristas are super knowledgeable about the coffee they serve. And that starts with traceability, knowing the journey of the bean. Far more than just knowing which country or region is down to the actual farm and creating a relationship with that farm to buy their beans with a view to sustainability and responsibility from the moment the beans are harvested. When we try the samples from a particular farm, so we would know how the coffee is processed. So the three general um, processing methods will be washed, um, honey, and the last one will be natural. So each um, processing um, method tend to try to focus on a certain aspect of the coffee. So for example, wash coffee, you really want to highlight on the acidity, the flavour clarity. 
Whereas for honey and naturals, generally the focus would be more on trying to get the sweetness out from the, the coffee cherries on its own. And also you want to bring out a bit more of the body, the mouthfeel of that certain coffee. So when we cup the coffees, we, will, we would know the, the processing method and then we will try to relate to what we cup. Um, but sometimes we might try to cup it blind, meaning that we have no idea of what the coffee is, uh, no idea of the variety, the processing, and then we just cup it blind to see what we pick up. So because once you know it, you, kind of, you might have a perception of what it will taste like. So we want to try to be as open-minded as uh, we can whenever we try to cup coffees. Since artisanal coffee does focus on the beans, some have taken up roasting in-house. The roasting hardware is expensive, and the process of roasting releases diactyl, which has been linked with serious lung disease. So there's a big investment for ventilation, as the NEA has very strict rules. We're going to head over to the Art Deco building known as Chai Sing Huat Hardware, home of PPP Coffee. My name is Marcus Fu, and I'm the CEO of PPP Coffee. Back in 2009, we operated uh, out of a small shop house in uh, Hooper Road in Bugatima. And we were primarily roasting and serving specialty coffee. As the demand for specialty coffee grew, uh, we needed a bigger space and we consolidated our operations to um, a, a bigger and a wider community. So that's where we found this spot in uh, Tyrit Road in Jalan Besar and we basically set up Chai Sing Huat Hardware as, as what you, you see now. And um, back in, in, in those days, we were just a Singapore uh, operation and uh, that's where I came in in 2013. So the company was founded by my cousin Leon uh, back in 2009. Marcus's background was in the financial industry and he could quickly analyse a company and its business. His path into coffee started as a hobby that turned into an obsession. And his business smarts have been a big part of PPP success. I think everyone drinks coffee, uh, whether in good times or bad times, uh, just like alcohol. Having gone through three, four rounds of uh, financial uh, crisis, I think coffee was something that we could potentially do. Not just running a cafe, but from the sourcing and the roasting to setting up a retail shop and then over the years, after we opened, we, we went into providing equipment, both for home and for, for businesses. So we were lucky that we were the first few in, in the, the market that managed to represent certain uh, espresso machine brands and equipment. And I think that helped in uh, putting together a coffee business, not just running a coffee shop. As, as what most people think we are, you know. So then we went into uh, education where we conduct coffee classes, both as a lifestyle kind of class and also corporate classes. It's one thing to roast your own beans for your cafe operations and maybe also offer your beans at retail. But PPP stands out because of its corporate clients. One of their more notable clients is one of the world's best-known tech companies. And PPP supplies 200 kilos of beans per week. When we first started off, we knew nothing about roasting. There weren't a lot of information out in the market at that time. It's not something that you can go onto the internet and, and learn. Uh, since then, of course, many roasters came into the market and, and the market um, is it's, it's more discerning 
on what they consume. I think over time, it, it becomes more acceptable to have black coffee, that uh, tasting of, of, of uh, fruity notes and, and uh, chocolatey notes and uh, sometimes even uh, funky notes like um, jackfruit and, and even durian. Another artisanal coffee brand is Two Degrees North Coffee Company, who run three roasting machines. This is their roaster, Ye Yang. What, what I still believe in is uh, as, as a roaster, you have to be versatile. So uh, every coffee has its purpose, and every coffee, uh, you must roast, you, it's best to roast it uh, to the best to the, who is the end user. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like, for example, before we, we roast any coffee beans, uh, there are things that we test like the moisture content, density level, uh, screen size, and we have in mind having in mind what's the processing method of this coffee because the approach to processed coffee is different and at the same time, the same coffee at different profiles and different modulations can result in a very different tasting cup. And I think being versatile uh, to suit the needs of the end user uh, with the purpose of each coffee bean in mind. Act 2. The Brew The second major difference that marks out a third-wave coffee business is how they treat their customers. Not that the second-wave big-box businesses are in any way shabby, but the knock on them in this regard was that there was too much emphasis on the experience. The design of the store, the free Wi-Fi, the socialising, all of these detracted from the actual coffee experience. Making the perfect cup and how to present it is the hallmark of artisanal coffee outlets. Once the roasting is done, the first part of delivering an amazing coffee is knowing what you have. And that's where the cupping session comes in. This is where feedback is gained from tasting the coffee. It's done in-house with the baristas, so everyone is on the same page about a particular roast. Here's Jiamin of Nylon. In terms of the tasting notes, uh, it is derived from what we taste uh, when we cup the coffees. Cupping is basically a tasting, uh, is a, a tasting process that we do for all the roasts uh, that comes from our roastery. So uh, when we cup it, it's just very pure. It's just um, coffee grounds, hot water, and we just keep tasting it and just to find out what we get from the coffee on its own, from hot all the way to room temperature. Marcus of PPP Coffee explains how cupping sessions are also used when choosing coffees at the green bean stage. To understand a cupping session is, is really uh, what green bean buyers actually go through when they choose coffees. Uh, so imagine you have uh, 20, 30 coffees to choose from. Cupping, in a sense, is the most efficient way of uh, tasting uh, a line of coffees. Um, by just adding uh, hot water to the grounded coffee and tasting it as it is to be able to pick up the character of, of the coffee. PPP offers public cupping sessions to let coffee enthusiasts taste a spectrum of coffees. So cupping in, in a way allows us to effectively and uh, productively taste as many coffees at one go in a single sitting. So we use that to introduce different range of coffees to a layperson who have you know, just uh, got to understand what specialty coffee is. And uh, it's easier for us to explain through a very sensory approach. Uh, rather than you know, uh, uh, giving them information like wines. Sometimes they don't consume, they actually spit it out. So cupping is in a way that you just taste and you don't uh, really consume because there's so much coffee to be drunk. 
Most artisanal coffee bars offer espresso-based coffees, and latte art has become the Instagrammable element of third-wave coffee. One of the first artisanal coffee bars I visited was Mavericks, a tiny outlet in Duxton Hill that has since moved to Great Wall City. Alex is a co-owner. I think latte art is something that is great for Instagram, but not necessarily for consumption. Simple things like, you know, a heart, for example, um, that's fine. There is a reason that latte art kind of blends together the espresso shot with the milk. Um, so there's a reason that it's poured in a certain way. But I think latte art is just fun for people that love to take photos. Social media now touches all public-facing businesses. And letting the baristas have a little fun with the phone is an integral part of customer services. Marcus of PPP. Latte art is like how uh, plating is done in fine restaurants, right? You can consider that as some form of coffee plating. And it's gotten a lot of attention uh, recently because there are competitions around it. People are judging based on uh, the, the uniqueness and, and the wow factor of, of, of the art. Act 3. The business. Anyone can open an artisanal coffee shop. Making it an effective business is far harder. For some artisanal coffee places, staying small and customer-centric is the only path they want to pursue. Alex of Mavericks. I honestly think everyone's setup is quite different. I think we've always kept to a very small setup, um, very lean. And I think when you start to go into roasting and doing a full cafe setup, the cost will naturally rise. So I think in terms of not just a coffee shop, I think any business, the numbers need to make sense. For me, I believe in, in the people, investing in the people, because you can pop up anywhere. But it's hard to find good people that represent you and your brand and that stick it out with you. That's the hard part for me. Yi Young's Two Degrees North Coffee Company runs the lovely Populous Cafe on Neil Road, which offers high-end food. It's a gastro-cafe that serves as the face of the business. For Two Degrees North, uh, I believe every specialty roaster in Singapore, you kind of need to have a face uh, uh, in, in, in the market. Like For example, Populous uh, is the face of Two Degrees North, because Populous uh, uh, has all two degrees uh, merchandises, uh, all the uh, coffee selections. Uh, even when we have uh, customers uh, coming in to try coffee, I'll actually bring them over here and uh, say, hey, this is our coffee, and uh, we actually serve them at Populous. And it's kind of like our, our own little showroom uh, where we introduce uh, two degrees north uh, in, in the cafe. Yeah. So having a cafe uh, to us, yeah, it's, it's more of like part of this business model that uh, we are already building. For any business, having a great relationship with your customers is the cornerstone of long-term business success. Nylon's Jiamin. When we got into coffee, yes, we found that it was quite difficult from a switch from corporate to F&B. But for me, it really brings a different kind of job satisfaction and it makes an impact to people's lives, I feel. And I think the most rewarding part of it was actually to witness the growth of a community around Nylon. So we've been around for seven years and I think the community just gets uh, bigger and bigger. We have made so many friends and uh, it's that bonding that you have built up over the years, that trust element that is, I think it's just, yeah, I, I, I have no regrets doing it. <laughs> Act 4 this is supposed to be about the rule of three. Okay, act 
Act three, part two, back to the original. In normal product cycles, an original product is replaced by a new and improved version. Yet, in the world of coffee, the first wave for Singapore, Kopi, is still going strong. I asked the artisanal coffee cafes on how they saw Kopi coexisting with their artisanal offerings. Alex of Mavericks. For me, I think the Kopi is so nostalgic. It's nostalgia in a cup. And we grew up with it. It's in our cultures, in our heritage. And it's so different from espresso-based coffees. It's completely different. I think variety is great. And I think there's enough in the market and enough space in the market for that. Yi Yang of Two Degrees North. For Singaporeans uh, at any ages, a lot of us still grew up with uh, kopi. Uh, and kopi in that sense is very uh, robust, uh, lots of chocolate notes, uh, it's very nutty, very caramelised, full body. And in, in some ways, it, it kind of brought forward and brought over to how we perceive how specialty coffee and artisanal coffee is. And sometimes I think for a lot of people when they are drinking, uh, for example, like a single origin Ethiopian, and to them, hey, oh, is this coffee uh, so fruity uh, and floral? This doesn't taste like coffee because for them, uh, they grew up knowing coffee uh, should be tasting your, your caramel-like uh, notes and like a kopi. Jamin of Nylon. We have hawker centres and we have fine dining restaurants. They coexist. And I think for us, we grew up drinking local coffee. Um, it's something part and parcel of our local culture. It just brings a sense of um, like home, familiarity. And um, they, they, they work in harmony, I feel. I mean, regardless, it's still, uh, it, it's still like a, a beverage that, I mean, I would assume everybody has to ha have at least one cup a day if you're a coffee drinker. Um, and I think it's very, I mean, it's still complimentary. It's, um, it's might, it might not be so apparent in um, like other countries, but in Southeast Asia, I think they coexist pretty well. It's just a reflection of um, every country's own unique coffee culture. In a country where the first wave kopi does coexist with the third wave artisanal, it makes you wonder what would happen if someone tried to mix first wave and third wave. While I've told you that the rule of three in coffee is about the three waves of coffee, I've left one interview to the end because of another rule of three. For family businesses, there's an ominous saying of three generations, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. This describes how the founder starts the business, the second generation takes over, but the transition to the third generation often results in the end of the business. Nylon, PPP Coffee and Mavericks are all first generation businesses. You heard from the founders. Two Degrees North is a second-generation company. Yi Young's father is the founder of Santino Coffee Specialists. Now, we head over to a Moy Street food center. I'm Faye Sai. I run a store called Coffee Break in Amoy Street food center, and I'm a third-generation hawker. Coffee Break was started by my grandfather in 1935, and that was when he came to Singapore from the Hainan Islands. So he came to Singapore, he opened a kopitiam in the wharves area where there were a lot of uh, workers, uh, you know, looking for a good kind of strong coffee. So he catered to those people there then. After he set up a family, you know, then with the housing, uh, HDB coming up, they moved to Telok Blanga where they opened San Haiyuan. Um, and that was the first coffee shop that I knew because I grew up there. 
And when my father became of age, he took over San Hai Yuan. In 1999, Faye's dad moved the coffee stall to its current location in the Amoy Street Food Center. He first came up with the name of the stall in Chinese. He was traveling in China, uh, doing the whole ancestral thing with his dad. And then he saw the name Cafe Kuai Zuo. So he thought, you know, oh, it sounded really catchy. Cafe Kuai Zuo meant having coffee quickly and then getting out. He kind of came back and asked us, can you translate this for us? And we're like, oh, coffee break law, you know. What sets coffee break apart is that while it does serve traditional kopi, it also offers kopi with a modern twist. Faye's dad saw an opportunity in the market. There was a little wave of specialty coffee coming up. While he didn't have the know-how or the means, he did have a few cups of gourmet coffee. He compared co the gourmet coffee to the traditional local kopi that we had, and he needed to find something in between. To attract a younger crowd, he actually came up with New flavours then in his time, like almond and peppermint. That's where he started get, getting a lot more uh, interest from the office crowd in this area. Some of the current bestsellers at Coffee Break include Sea Salt Caramel Latte and Caramel Rum Mocha. There's also a melon milk tea, and their toast offerings include eclectic choices like Earl Grey Creme Toast, Rum and Raisin, and Black Sesame. Faye didn't join the family business right away. She studied for a degree in business administration, then paid her way to Melbourne to take part in the World Barista Championships. That combination of skills has proven pivotal to growing the business from just a single stall. In Singapore, it's really hard to survive on brick and mortar shops because of high rent and lack of manpower, especially in a hawker centre where it's difficult to hire people. We try to control our supply chain by actually sourcing for our own coffee beans, blending it ourselves, grinding it, making sure we still have quality while having a low cost. And from there, we also can do wholesale. So we've actually started doing a lot of wholesaling to um, small coffee shops, as well as recently we've developed a Nespresso-compatible Kopi O Kosong. We decided to put our coffee powder into an espresso capsule and then globally, you know, it's more easily reached. And of course, we're doing a lot of online retail events and catering. You know, we do a live brew. People actually do appreciate watching the craft of what we do, you know, making the coffee, pouring it over a nylon sock. And they appreciate that it's a young person making that coffee and it tastes good. That is our expansion plan. Coffee Break is one family business that is thriving with its third generation. I had to ask what the chances would be for a fourth generation running the business. We do hope that the business will continue into its fourth generation, that's for sure. But it is not dependent on family. This craft is very much Singaporean something that you make into your own. If someone foreign wants to come in, learn the craft, take it to a higher level somewhere else, we'd be more than happy to share it or to franchise it uh, or to teach anyone who wants to learn. We do hope there'll be a fourth generation and that it doesn't have to be confined to the Sai family. Yeah. Epilogue, go forth. 
So there you have it. The three waves of coffee from a Singapore perspective, with an added twist of a third-generation coffee stall that is mixing first and third wave. While the third wave does feel like we're living in the golden age of coffee, nothing is forever. And that leads us to the final question of this show. What's the fourth wave? If you Google fourth wave of coffee, you'll get a lot of frothy ideas about greater advances in roasting and brewing and other improvements. But let me tell you about Super Audio Compact Disc. It was supposed to be the successor to the audio CD with superior audio quality. The music industry was salivating at the thought of music fans rebind their favorite albums yet again. First vinyl, to cassette, to CD, and now the labels were counting their year-end bonuses once consumers started to replace their CDs with SACDs. But it didn't happen. Turns out, the marketplace wanted portability more than anything else, and a little-known audio compression format from Germany called MPEG-1 Audio Layer 3, which you and I know as MP3s, blitzed the music industry forever. Assuming that every new wave brings something better isn't true. Here's what Marcus of PPP thinks the fourth wave could be. If I were to take a bet, I think it's about having coffee easily accessible at home, something around technology. And I think if you look in the market now, there are a lot of, I would say, convenient way of making coffee like um, capsules or what we call coffee pots. I think in the last three to five years, there are a lot of uh, specialty coffee companies that are actually putting their coffees into uh, capsules. If you ask me, probably pots and capsules with technology would probably be um, the next wave of how coffee is being consumed. I'm, I'm sure the coffee shops will still be around. We do see an uh, increase in consumption for home users, whether it is a brewed coffee with automatic brewer or, of course, Nespresso has marketed very well their capsules. And uh, that was like 15 years ago and it's still around. And I think now the fourth wave could be uh, more companies putting up their coffees in capsules. Is that a step forward or a step back? Only time will tell. So get yourself a cup of your favourite coffee, sit back and see what happens. Thanks for listening to this episode of Crafted By from the Know or Not podcast. It was produced and hosted by me, Ken Delbridge, and my thanks to everyone who sat for interviews. For more information and links, please visit our website, knowornot.com. If you enjoyed this and you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please do take 10 seconds and give us a five-star rating. It really helps support this podcast and lets other people find us. And do subscribe to hear new episodes. We have new shows every two weeks. If you have a friend who you think would like this podcast, do share on social media or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.